Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, your weekly roundup of all that's important in the news of hotels and hotel investment. Uh, with me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, joined again by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. For the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be giving you our thoughts and we hope you find them uh, entertaining and interesting. So let's kick off with uh, one of the big news stories of the last week or so, which was that uh, Accor has finally completed its deal to merge uh, its lifestyle hotel interests with those of Ennismore to create uh, a new kind of arm's length lifestyle and luxury division. Um, the deal was born of conversations during the pandemic and it brings together the uh, Ennismore team and some key parts of the Accor team. The idea being that uh, Ennismore's creativity in uh, hotel branding and restaurants and so on can gain far greater traction if linked up with the uh, scale and distribution expertise of Accor. Uh, and of course, Accor's got plenty of lifestyle brands itself, uh, which it's either been co-owning or fully owning over the last few years. And those are going to be put into the Ennismore team as well. So exciting times for, for Accor, isn't it, Andrew? Although there'll probably be some challenges along the way working this structure. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've previously um, obviously covered this deal um, on its first announcement so this this really marks the the completion of it as expected so it's 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 in, in terms of news uh, um, scale this is relatively low level news mm, I guess no, in fact no the, excitement the, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah the, thing, that, thing that, we that. thing we knew was going to happen has happened yes yes yeah. exactly yeah. so it's it's not, it's not that much of thrill so I, I actually took a step back and um, 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 took a sort of broader look at this and um, I'm going to hit you with a bit more sort of highfalutin theorizing now Ooh, chris okay. so um so just thinking about i mean this this whole you're lifestyle not going, you're not going to go to maslow are you well it's all there yes okay. well, i don't actually in my piece i've written um this week mm -hmm. i haven't i don't actually for a change talk about the pyramid but uh it is um it, in essence it's there underlying the 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 theory behind it but i think the key thing is uh, i was looking at is just where you know this lifestyle trend has come from what it means to the hotel sector and mm. i think you can lump it in with um both the sharing economy impact and also the sort of for want of a better term the adjacent um hotel offers and i'm thinking things like hostels and things like serviced apartments and what you've got is a switcheroo in terms of how hotels are sold and how hotels are looked at so historically um you know when i was a uh, reporter in short trousers um, writing about the sector hotels back then were sold on the basis of sort of commodity products they were a b2b transaction you either went you know if you were the boss you had a five star if you were sort of seniorish executive you had a four star and if you were a you know a, a, a sort of low level person you had a two star and, and that's that's how it worked essentially and the brands existed there to, to give a bit of reassurance on certain standards and so forth but um what you didn't have was this notion of brands um and this is where your maslow point would come in chris mm. um fulfilling those consumer needs and i think that's where it's changed and we've gone from a sort of top-down approach um Sort of selling a commodity to a, a bottom-up approach um, which is focused on actual consumer needs um and i think this has been 
you know highly disruptive but it's just and and uh, but it's a trend that's been it's at least two decades old really that's going on it's really just um gathered pace now and in essence it's the tension between and i think where um uh if you, if you looked at something like the sharing economy and the airbnbs etc um what they what those have highlighted is the tension between uh, service and hospitality and that sort of top-down approach is all geared around standards of service whereas the bottom-up approach is about hospitality it's about it's about um, fulfilling those real consumer needs and, it, and it's it's not um, so much about um, the, those basic sort of standards um, but what it's about it's about things such as experience sense of place and purpose and all this kind of stuff is brought in um, thanks to the sharing economy and and this is where that and the lifestyle piece is coming in and you've got um, the wider you know it's it's not just people in suits Mm. hotels are selling to but the, you know there's youth groups um which is the hostels and it's families which is the sort of apartments and maybe longer stay people so we, we, we've had this 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 shift now to for, to servicing that um um more niche consumer need um and i think this is this is the the culmination of that with what accor's done here and you know it, and what a good idea it is um i think actually though the most important thing is how all these trends are fed back into what i'd describe as the mainstream the bigger part of the sector which is the the core hotel so at, at, at in accor's case it's the ibis portfolio it's the novotel portfolio and ibis in particular it's new reincarnation it's really being reinvented with a lot of these trends um inbuilt in 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 the new prototypes that are coming out and i think it's been really transformative um for ibis for accor um and th this is where these these things and i think there's a slight misread that these things are going to take over the industry in fact what's happened is the industry has been adapted and changed as a result of these trends so rather than you know and as 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 regular listeners to this podcast will know we're skeptics of the airbnb uh piece and rather than take over the industry what it's done is force change forced adaptation um and i think that's the interesting bit and um accor has reacted probably of all the global majors i'd argue that accor has reacted the the most um to these trends mm. yeah because it's less and less the case that if you walk into an ibis you're going to experience exactly the same interior as you would in any other ibis isn't it? that's the thing it's they've become much more localized much more uh, trying to pull in connections to the local local community and the local environment uh, absolutely i mean you know there's been a you know few missteps along the way but if you're going to be an innovator you're going to create change you're going to occasionally stub your toe i think and acker undoubtedly has particularly so probably on the tech side and it's and and it's forays into sort of distribution you know it's attempts to acquire uh uh well you know um, the private rental market stuff which hasn't worked out too well too well it's an attempt to to set up a the Accor marketplace and all that kind of stuff didn't work out too well um and it, it, it got a little bit too caught up on all of that um but it you know all credit for it trying and i think the benefit of that 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 attempt to change ha has created uh you know a, a different uh, a different approach and i think that's testament to you know ceo sebastian bazan who has a private equity style um 
and that he he throws stuff at the wall and sees what sticks not everything has stuck you know and nor nor would you expect it to but i think you know um, thanks to these efforts the company as a whole is is stronger now let's turn our attention to uh, another disruptor in the hotel space, Oyo, which uh, looks set to be floated shortly on the Indian stock market in a move that's going to value it at around $10 billion or more. Um, it's been quite an interesting experience uh, watching Oyo over the last few years, starting out in India as a kind of outfit that helped um, basic hotels brand themselves up a little bit and get a little bit more professional um, we've seen them step into various other territories including um, branding some rather basic hotels here in the UK and they've stretched out in various different directions and then of course suffered as have all other accommodation businesses through the pandemic but uh, finally they seem to spend the last few months getting more and more looking they've um, they've drawn in some fresh cash they've drawn in they've done a deal with Microsoft and finally they look set to, to float on the market to draw in more funds but also to allow some of the early stage investors to liquidate a little bit of their investment um, and the interesting thing for all of us to watch then will be what happens next with Oyo does Oyo become all grown up and corporate or are they gonna move fast once more and start breaking a few more things yeah I, it was it was a fascinating read the 600 plus pages of the ipo <laughs> prospectus um i mean there's a lot in there um and i, I think it benefits really from having a, an indian um analyst um approach to it so rather than the, the the same sort of consultancies we have in london or new york um it's uh it's an indian based one and i think they've had a different different take on stuff so mm. it, i mean it, it's quite quite fun to go through and just see the different ways it's approaching stuff I mean, one of the things that caught my eye in particular was the term patron. It uses that a lot, and that refers to effect effectively owners. And it's the uh, it's and and where Oyo is pitching itself is owners who are um, the classic mom and pops, but very small. Um, and in need of being digitised. Mm. And it talks about having a fully integrated toolkit, so it'll. It, you know you sign up with oyo and you get all the stuff you get your online aggregation you get your revenue management you get your channel management you have your payment gateway you have your reputation management and you have hotel management all of that stuff is is there within the within the uh, oyo toolkit um now whether it's as good as you know the individual things you can access uh, i mean i would certainly say on the on the aggregation thing uh, clearly oyo is a long way to go before it's up if it'll ever get up with say the likes of booking or expedia um and in fact if you look on both booking and expedia you'll find lots of oyo properties <laughs> so clearly that that in itself is testament that it's not working that well as that online travel aggregation thing although i suppose what they would argue is that yes we are actually managing it on behalf of uh, um our people um our um, patrons um our owners um so uh, it was interesting to see how they're they're pitching at that the thing i slightly struggle with in terms of as the um so you know what has been the big trend over the last few decades within the sector it's where well, you're seeing going out the door uh, the smaller subscale uh, properties which don't have great access to capital they're exiting the industry um 
and in coming in the front door has been the branded particularly i mean this is particularly noticeable on the sort of what we'd call the branded budget the branded economy hotels and they're pushing out the smaller players um i, I i'm not completely convinced that oio really is doing much to stop that or can do much to stop that sure it can make those individual um owners individual patrons um a little bit more efficient with and this is another bit of terminology they use is storefront <laughs> which is property um so these storefronts um they can make them a little bit more efficient but that that same technology obviously is making the bigger place um um, which has been squeezing out the smaller places makes those bigger places um, efficient as well so I, I'm sort of slightly struggling to see what the edge is here um, that they're bringing and there is a kind of a um, sort of serfdom effect here where you've got the lord and master oyo and all these small little places which are acting as the serfs mm. and you know having to hand over it's an extraordinary amount as well they were talking about so um, off the top line of the gross booking value it's 20 to as much as 35 percent um which is an extraordinary a, a huge amount and it's, it's hard to see how these you know which are already fairly challenged operations how they can afford to cough up that kind of cash and this is a very dramatic uplift in both volume of sales and the value of those sales um, in terms of rates so that rate and occupancy has to shoot right up and it's hard to see how how that actually is is going to be delivered sufficiently um well you know where does that balance actually fall um I, i'm i'm struggling with the whole uh business model i mean interestingly uh oyo says look we've got this um full stack as they call it full stack technology toolkit which we can um, um deploy in other industries and they mention in particular the wedding market and they mention the events uh, market as areas where they can use their full stack technology and come in and transform them as well but um I think there's probably more opportunity within those than there is within hotels, particularly one of their major areas of focus is Europe. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I, I think ultimately this will just be a short term. It might enable a few more businesses to um, survive for a bit longer. But I mean, the reason, you know, the family owned businesses hang on, um, there's a bunch of things that motivates even when they're sort of you know there'd be far better uses for that property ec economically than as hotels but they often hang on because it provides employment and all that kind of stuff but i think as soon as you get to the point that you're sticking a sort of big red oyo sign above the door that it, it, it you know it, it feels less attractive as a lifestyle option i think um so it's all very well having it you know you know shay chris or shay andrew you know in terms of the you know, hotel but as soon as you call it the oyo it, it's sort of a bit a you know, bit less exciting to be part of isn't it um and oyo has to you know and we've still got this ongoing thing um where uh particularly in india where it's had its the it's, it's got both it's the biggest uh, uh market share it dominates the indian market and also and has been the longest standing in india but there's a lot of very unhappy um patrons there and in fact um the federation of hotel and restaurant associations of india um said after this prospectus was published um they said look you're, you're not talking about the legal actions that we're taking against you 
and they said you know it it, it, it had a go at what it called oio's belligerent business practices um now you know it's hard to know whether this is more smoke than fire but uh I think if OYO is going to succeed, it has to show it's got a happy bedrock of owners or patrons. Let's have a look at uh, what's going on in the Chinese market. Um, and as things pick back up again, um, more importantly, are all the big global majors uh, ready to continue as before, growing their uh, their presence in the Chinese market? Where do they all stand one against another? And which bits of the market are they particularly uh, tackling are they staying high-end with their high-end brands or are they going to look to the middle market and um, uh, the space that uh, there is there as the Chinese consumer numbers grow dramatically uh, we've done a bit of a roundup Andrew what was your take it's very much driven by the macro picture on on what's happening in China and what direction it's going to take. Um, and Xi Jinping, the, the the leader of the People's Republic of China, and to be clear, this is the bit of China we talk about the PRC here. Um, um, where where does he head with this? Um, and how anti-capitalist? How uh, how big? You know how big is his focus going to be on on redistribution and um, you know evening up his own version of leveling up um, and hopefully not too much leveling down? I think this is this is the the key bit. I mean, a decade ago, uh, all the global hotel majors. Uh, it's a pretty weird situation in which Wall Street, where obviously most of them are listed in. In, in New York, um, um, Wall Street were much more um, were so uh, super keen on how um, you know th these these global majors were accessing the Chinese market. Now that has really fallen away. There's much less excitement around the Chinese market um, from that, and there's much more focus on the domestic American market. And that's not entirely surprising because um, despite China being a huge market, a huge population, the reality is that per head they have significantly less cash to spend and you need rich people really or comparatively rich people um, for a decent um, hospitality market, particularly hotel market. Um, so the average Chinese is sort of 10 times poorer than the average American. So you're looking at something like just under 5,000 US dollars per head in China against nearly 50,000 per head um, in the US. So there's obviously a clear disparity there and we're quite a ways in from China, you know, being this sort of equivalent to say a Europe or or uh, the US let alone overtaking it. I mean, I, I dug out um, it was hard to sort of is it, it's a, you need to be middle class effectively to, to use hotels in a significant way but definitions of, of middle class somewhat vary um, and really what you've got to look at is what, who's got enough income to actually you know, be able to spend on mm. travelling um, and um, the best data I found was from the head of the China's uh, statistics authority and um, and he, he he looked at you know households with the means to buy a car a flat or go traveling and he put that number at around 140 million um, and I think that shows just how much smaller it still is as a market than the US and Europe um, in addition to that you've you've got 
um, a, a profitability issue. Um, so the last time IHG gave a present, now IHG are arguably the, uh, the the strongest player of the global majors in China. They have a dedicated division called Greater China. Um, if, I mean, the current CEO used to run that. They're very focused on China. Well, and um, they, built, they built their own but, brand um, just for China as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Hulux. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. Um, um, and uh, so the, the, they gave a presentation a couple of years ago, the last time they did one, and um, they were saying it, it, China had 15% of their open rooms, but it was delivering just 8% of operating profit. Now, this was improving. The fee business operating profit was growing double digit, and indeed both revenue and margin was growing at the same time. Um, the, the fear I have is that as um, the Chinese government gets a bit more assertively anti-capitalist and particularly anti-Western, um, there could be all sorts of challenges for Western um, hotel brands in that country. So it, it's going to uh, it, it's going to be a mm. bumpy ride, I suspect, over the next uh, you know five to ten years in China. I mean, it's still a fabulous opportunity, but uh, it's perhaps not not what we were thinking about 10 years ago. Well, of ago. course, um, the, all the casinos in Macau uh, did very well for a number of years until suddenly the Chinese authorities clamped down on where's all that cash coming from and, uh, uh, and yeah. suddenly the, yeah. uh, the party yeah. was uh, somewhat over. Now, let's turn to mm. our five-star and no-star awards for this week. And, Andrew, I think you're, you're giving five stars to... Uh, holiday parks well, well it's, yeah well it's it's your piece um this week about what's been going on in the uk holiday park business and we've got uh park dean resorts uh reportedly up for grabs um so somewhat you know going to be well north of the 1.3 billion it went for in 2017 i suspect um and that's gonna you know and that just shows how much excitement there is around this uh um outdoor um leisure uh, resort uh, type activity um, so I, I think it's definite five stars for that um, I think Chris in your commentary you you mentioned the question about whether it's a overly hot market and uh, where we are with it and I think they are uh, sensible questions it's also it's a fairly narrow market in that they're you know in in terms of the uh, the number of businesses which are of sufficient size to be you know, take part in this uh, current round of consolidation is is, is relatively small. So, but it, you know, uh, it, it it does deliver eye popping numbers, and it's definitely a, a five star for that. Um, in this last and those week. stars this week is going to uh, Marriott, um, who are embroiled in a continuing legal action with uh, Minor International over what's gone on at the uh, JW Marriott Phuket Resort in, and Spa in, uh, in Thailand. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting looking at the press release Mint um, um, Minor International put out on this. There's a sort of lots of veiled threats within that sort of... Um, um, so in, in terms of um, Mint expects that this case will have wide-ranging relevance to the hotel market and highlight a number of problematic business practices by Marriott. Ooh. Ooh, uh. <laughs> not, uh, not a good relationship between owner and, and operator. <laughs> No, the, the, no, no, the, the, this is a distinctly unhappy case. <laughs> Absolutely. In, in, in the IO um, terminology. And we'll see what yes. the Thai courts make of it in due course. 
and on that slightly jarring note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>